Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would speak your word to us. We would hear your word and it would bear fruit in our lives. All to your honor and glory. In Jesus' name and for his sake we pray. Amen. Don't be seated. Keep, keep your bulletin open. We're going to do this a little bit out of order. So if you turn to page four in your worship booklet, we're going to affirm the Nicene Creed before the sermon, not after. So let's together affirm the Nicene Creed, affirm our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed on page four in your bulletin, saying together, we believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is visible and invisible. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, of one being with the Father, through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate from the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and was made man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Today we continue with part five of our series looking together at the Nicene Creed, the creed that we just affirmed together. This creed that a couple billion Christians recite today. This creed that unites us together in our common faith. And you'll notice if you look at the creed itself when we recite it, you'll notice that the, the first part about God the Father is very short. The second part about God the Son, Jesus, is quite long. Uh, that's, we took two separate weeks to talk about it. And then the third part about the Holy Spirit is, again, very short. It's basically just one sentence. Now, that is not because we don't know what to say about the Holy Spirit, but rather because the main concern when this creed was put together was about who Jesus is. The main focus was on Jesus, making sense of what Scripture teaches about Jesus. And so the other two persons of the Trinity received much shorter treatments. But today, on Pentecost Sunday, we're going to commemorate, as we always do, the coming of the Holy Spirit in power. And as our way to do that today, as a part of this series, is we're going to look at what the Creed specifically says about the Holy Spirit. Who He is and what he does in the world and in our lives. Now, I know we just said this, but we're going to say this part again so it's fresh in our minds, this part about the Holy Spirit. So say this with me. 
We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. The Holy Spirit is the Lord. We talked about this two weeks ago when we saw that Jesus is called the Lord. And Lord is the Bible's term for God himself. The Holy Spirit is called the Lord, meaning he is God. He's the third person of the Trinity, to use our theological language. One God in three persons. The Holy Spirit is the Lord. And because he is the Lord, God, it is right that he is, as the Creed says, worshipped and glorified. The Holy Spirit is God. In Acts chapter 5, there is a rather sobering account of two people, husband and wife, Ananias and Sapphira, who lie to the apostles about what amount of money they have given to God. Just as a side note, don't lie to God about how much you give. But in his response to them, the Apostle Peter says, Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? You have not lied to man, but to God. The Bible explicitly says that lying to the Holy Spirit is lying to God. The Holy Spirit is God. He is the Lord. And in the same way that we saw that Jesus is fully God, and yet is distinct from God the Father, that's what we mean by the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is in the same way God, and yet distinct from the Father and the Son. The Creed says that the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. The three persons of the Trinity are distinct from each other, and yet they are only one God. The Holy Spirit is God, the Lord, and he proceeds from the Father and the Son. The Bible says that Jesus will send the Holy Spirit. John 15, 26 says the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father. We're quoting the Bible when we say that in the Creed. The Holy Spirit is the Lord, proceeding from the Father and the Son, and is thus worthy to be worshipped and glorified. The Holy Spirit is, what we would say, the third person of the Trinity. And so we affirm that when we recite the Creed together. That's, briefly, who the Holy Spirit is, as affirmed in the Creed. But second, I want to point out what the Holy Spirit does. That is, the work of the Holy Spirit. Now this is by no means an exhaustive list of what the Holy Spirit does. But I want to point this morning to four parts of the Holy Spirit's work in our lives and in the world. Two are explicitly affirmed in the Creed, and two are just from Scripture itself, but not explicitly mentioned in the Creed. So four things that we see the Holy Spirit's work in our lives and in the world. First, the Holy Spirit speaks. God speaks. In the Nicene Creed, we say that he has spoken through the prophets. And in this case, the prophets, in this instance, the prophets is a shorthand for the Bible as a whole. 
The Bible was written by the prophets who were inspired by God to write his word. First and foremost, what we mean when we say that the Holy Spirit has spoken through the prophets is that he has inspired the words of the Bible to be written. The Bible is God's word, God's spoken word, God's word, written. Spoken by God through the writers of the Bible. And as a side note, completely and utterly shameless plug, I'm beginning a new class today. This is the topic. <laughs> because the Holy Spirit has spoken through the prophets, through the words of Scripture, the Bible is the primary place that we hear the Holy Spirit speaking. Years ago, I remember I was teaching a class in a church. And I remember in the class, a woman raising her hand and saying to me, I don't really read or study the Bible. The Holy Spirit just tells me what I need to know. I will tell you, that hurt me to hear. Because what she had done is she had intentionally cut herself off from the Word of God, thinking that she just didn't need it. But this is actually the primary place that we go to hear God speaking, listening to what God has spoken already in the Bible. But the Holy Spirit also continues to speak. The Holy Spirit did not stop speaking once the Bible was written. He continues to speak in a variety of ways. And one place that he continues to speak today is whenever the Bible is accurately preached and taught. This is part of why us preachers should always tremble when we stand up here. When the Word of God is accurately taught and preached, that preaching is in fact the Lord, the Holy Spirit, still speaking. I have two children. If my son, Caleb, on his own, I'm sure this would be hard for anybody to imagine, but if my son, six-year-old son, on his own, goes into his big sister's room and yells, Wake up! Time to get up! He will likely experience her wrath. You know what that's like, parents. But, as I have learned, if I send him in there to say calmly, Lydia, Daddy says it's time to get up. Her response is very different. Because when he goes in and accurately says what I have told him to say, when he accurately communicates my message to her, then his message is in fact my message. I am speaking when he speaks my message appropriately. And the same is true for preaching and teaching the Word of God. And that is certainly true in pulpits, but it is equally true in home Bible studies, around family dinner tables, putting children to bed. When the message of God is spoken and shared with others, the Holy Spirit is speaking through you. And he also speaks to us personally. He doesn't just speak to other people. We, you and I, we can learn to hear and recognize his voice. God speaks directly to us. And we can hear his voice and receive his guidance. The Holy Spirit speaks. 
Second, the Holy Spirit enlivens. The Holy Spirit enlivens. He is, as the Creed says, the Lord and giver of life. He gives life. He enlivens us. And this is twofold. Um, on the one hand, uh, he gives, the Holy Spirit gives physical life, breathing into us and creating us and giving us life. We see this in Genesis 1 and 2. We see it in Psalm 33, the book of Job, among other places, that the Holy Spirit works in us and gives us physical life. And the Holy Spirit works in us and gives eternal life because he works in us for our salvation. John 16 says that the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin. That sense in you as a Christian, that sense in you that you are a sinner and need salvation, that sense is a result of the Holy Spirit working in you. That knowledge that you need Jesus is a result of the Holy Spirit working in you. The very ability for us to turn to Jesus and accept what he has done is a result of the Holy Spirit working in us, which we could never do on our own. I remember talking with someone not too long ago who said to me that he wants to know God. He wants to experience God, but he's not sure about God and he's not there yet. And I encouraged him to understand the very fact that he wants God is evidence that the Holy Spirit is already enlivening his heart. Without the Holy Spirit working in us and enlivening us, we would never be able to turn to God. But the Holy Spirit works in us and enlivens us and gives us life. The Holy Spirit speaks and the Holy Spirit enlivens. Third, the Holy Spirit empowers. He empowers us in a variety of ways. He gives us power to overcome sin, to live pure lives. He empowers us with what are called spiritual gifts, which we read about in 1 Corinthians 12 today. But I want to draw your attention to one specific kind of empowering that the Holy Spirit does. It's the kind that we read in Acts 2 today. The Holy Spirit empowers us for mission. After Jesus, risen from the dead, before he ascends into heaven, he tells the disciples that they are going to go make disciples of all nations. You remember that famous verse, the Great Commission. Jesus says, you are going to be my witnesses. You're going to share the good news of me, Jesus, with the world. You're going to go on mission to the world. But, he says, don't even try to do that mission without first being filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't do it unless you've been empowered with the Holy Spirit. Then, and only then, you will have the power of God to do the mission that you've been called to do. To share the gospel with the world. To lead people to the transforming power of God. To bring people to know Jesus. To lead people to salvation in Christ. He says, but you can't do that until you are empowered by the Holy Spirit. So he says, wait until the Holy Spirit comes. And they do wait. And then on Pentecost, which we commemorate this day each year, 
Then on Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes in power, and they are immediately then used to share the gospel with others, and thousands come to faith. The Holy Spirit empowers for mission, for evangelism, for sharing the gospel with the world. That's what the Holy Spirit does when he empowers God's people. The Holy Spirit empowers. And fourth, the Holy Spirit points. The Holy Spirit points. Fundamentally, the Holy Spirit's work is to mediate to us the presence of Jesus, risen and glorified. Primarily, the Holy Spirit points us to Jesus and brings Jesus' presence to us. And he does it in all these ways, speaking and enlivening and empowering. And he does all of that in order to point us to Jesus. I have a lamp in my bedroom on my bedside table. And at one point, the light bulb went out. And I only had one unused light bulb in the entire house. And so I found it and I put it in, but it was, I've never seen a light bulb this long. It was too long for the lampshade. And so it actually stuck out over the top of the lampshade. And then just me being me, I would never think about getting the right size until I was in the bedroom and saw it. So I added it, ended up having it in the bedroom longer than I should have. But what happened was, is every time I walked into the bedroom and I flipped it on, the first thing my eyes saw was the light bulb sticking out over the top. And it actually started to hurt my eyes every time I walked into the bedroom. The light bulb itself became the focal point instead of illuminating the rest of the room. That's a light bulb's job, is to illuminate the room, not to be the focal point itself. That is something of the Holy Spirit's work. He points to and illuminates the work of Jesus for us and for our salvation. As J.I. Packer, the author, has put it, he calls this the Spirit's floodlight ministry. He shines the light on Jesus, pointing us, pointing the world to Jesus and his life and death and resurrection. The Holy Spirit points us to Jesus. He speaks. He enlivens. He empowers. And he points us to Jesus. Now, if you believe in Christ, if you are baptized in his name, then you have the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit in you and with you. As Jesus says in John 14, this is not something extra that certain Christians get, but not everybody. All of us as Christians have access to the Holy Spirit who speaks, who enlivens, who empowers us for mission, and who points us to salvation in Jesus. We all do. And yet my experience, this is not a biblical term, but this is my experience, we leak. We have the Holy Spirit, we're filled with the Holy Spirit, but for some reason we tend to just sort of, again, this is my language, this is not what the Bible says, we somehow sort of leak, and we sometimes need to be refilled, if you will. Not that we don't have the Holy Spirit, but my personal experience is being filled with the Holy Spirit in additional ways at different times. And I think in large part it's because 
my fault, not God's. I leak. I forget. I need to be refilled. And so what we're going to do this morning is we are going to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to increase these works in us. To ask the Holy Spirit, ask God who speaks, ask Him to speak to us, to enliven us, to empower us for mission, and to point our hearts and lives more and more to Jesus. So in just a moment, we're going to actually have some music playing, and I'm going to invite you to, if you'd like to, to actually come forward to the, to the altar rail to be prayed for. We're going to have uh, prayer teams are going to come and pray, our clergy are going to come and pray, anybody who would like to come to be prayed for, for uh, filling with the Holy Spirit, for empowering, to, to hear God speak, we'd like to invite you to come in just a moment. If you'd like to stay right where you are and not participate in that way, that is fine. But if you'd like to, in just a moment, we'd like to give you the opportunity. Perhaps you're here today and you need the Holy Spirit to speak to you. You need to hear from God. You need to hear what God is speaking into your situation. So if that's you, I invite you in just a moment to come and be filled with the Holy Spirit who speaks. Perhaps you're here today and you need the Holy Spirit to enliven you, to breathe life into you. Maybe you aren't sure if you trust in Jesus at all. Maybe you're going through something right now in your life that you feel is just about killing you, and you need God to breathe life into your situation. Perhaps you're here today and you need the Holy Spirit to greater empower you for mission. Maybe you're sharing your faith with someone and you need the Holy Spirit to empower you to do it. Maybe you're inviting someone to worship and you need the Holy Spirit to empower you. Or maybe you're terrified by everything I just said and you need to ask the Holy Spirit to begin to work in you in sharing his love, sharing his truth with the world. May we as a church, be more and more empowered by the Holy Spirit for the mission that he has called us to do. To be his light and his witness in this community and beyond. That the Holy Spirit would do his floodlight ministry of pointing us and all those around us to Jesus. So at this time,